0: Hello everyone and welcome to Celtic Preacher episode 58. And today we're going to be looking at trouble in relationships. Trouble as in fighting and disagreeing and worse. It could be the family, it could be the church, it could be in the workplace, anywhere where there's division. Jesus tells us that, uh, yeah, follow me. And you're guaranteed trouble, which, of course, is a very strange thing to say. So we're going to be looking at this passage this morning. It's in Luke 12. And this is a passage, this is a text that if you were reading this text at home, you might be tempted to just skip over this at home. Because it's one of these, uh, it's a real doozy of a passage. uh, Verse 51. I'm going to read this to you just a little bit here. This is Jesus speaking. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father. So he's talking here about division within the family. He says mother-in-laws will be against mothers will be against daughters daughters against mothers mother-in-laws against daughter-in-laws daughter-in-laws against mother-in-laws the whole thing it's all going to there's going to be a lot of trouble he's saying uh, in the family kind of a curious thing to say I mean really what kind of family, family values does Jesus have right he's saying he's come to split up families. What in the world does this mean? Well, you know, conflict in the family, we understand. And I'm going to broaden this, this whole idea of conflict. I'm not just going to concentrate on families because the principles extend into uh, any other organization that we're in, any other grouping that we're in. So, but here he's talking about conflict in the family. Uh, Failed marriages, failed partnerships, siblings that are no longer in communication with each other. Yes, we can relate to all of these things, right? But Jesus causing division, what is that about? Do not think, Jesus says, that I have come to bring peace. No, he says, I tell you, division. What is that about? Well, there's several ways to understand this passage. And the first way is, of course, if you set it in its historical context, it really makes sense immediately. Jesus is warning his first students that if you decide to follow me in my ways, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be misunderstood. And in some places he tells his students, There's a great possibility that you will die if you follow me. Now, that's in the historical context of 2,000 years ago. And, of course, many, many of the early believers and followers of Christ did die. They were thrown to the lion's den, right? So, from Jesus' day to the present day, people have lost their lives simply by admitting to following Christ. I mean, it happens in places today. Imagine if you were living in North Korea and made it known that you were a follower of Christ or Afghanistan or Syria. I mean, there's so many places it would be dangerous, right? Households would literally divide and split in Jesus' day. Now, for us here in North America and in this Uh, the European countries, and the majority of us will never fear physical death for following Christ. Our persecutions and our divisions will be far more subtle, but every bit is real. So the chances are that we will not physically die for our faith. Right? It's not illegal to be a follower of Christ in North America, right? But we will experience subtler forms of persecution and and discomfort, and it's entirely possible. We will not be affirmed for doing the right thing. We're not going to necessarily be affirmed for doing or saying the right thing in our families, in our workplaces in the extended family, in the church, in the culture, in the community. We might be dismissed as irrelevant or fanatical. We will often be misunderstood. And according to this passage in Luke 12, the very people we think should understand us won't. The very people that we think will stand by us, they won't. The very people that we think will shelter us and affirm us and support us, may not, may not. And in some places you will be flat out rejected for standing by your own truth. So Jesus is addressing this kind of division. So again, he said, don't think that I've come to bring peace. I'm telling you, division. Strange, strange thing to say. But makes sense when you start to look at this passage in in greater detail. Um, I think it's an invitation to think about our closest relationships and it's also an invitation to think about the people that are in our lives and you know ask the question does god does god influence me in my relationships and how i conduct myself in all my relationships because often we might not necessarily consider god guiding us in our relationships until they cause us pain and then the prayers fly right When relationships cause us pain, that's usually when we start to pray. And then we take a step of faith, and then we try to be true to what we believe is the right way in God's way, which looks like the way of honesty, which looks like the way of kindness, the way that leads to healing of some kind, either for ourselves or for someone else. And then we do the right thing right? And we confront the problem or we speak up or we expose something or we leave or we demand change. And sometimes in the midst of all of this, things get worse before they get better. Now, Jesus would say to be expected, to be expected. Things often get worse before they get better. Doing the right thing can get you into a lot of trouble, I mean, this is Jesus' life story, right? He experienced this on more than one occasion. I mean, really, at its simplest, Jesus came and modeled for us what love and compassion looks like walking on the earth. And, of course, this involved a lot of truth-telling, which got him into trouble. And this is why Jesus teaches, if you follow me, And if you do what's right and you do what's true, don't be surprised if you get into trouble. Don't be surprised. The higher the dysfunction in the family, or the church, or the community, or the group or the workplace, the more trouble you'll find yourself in. So you could be in a lot of trouble and be absolutely right on Target i've seen this a lot with with pastors, which is a kind of a strange example to you but i've actually seen this a lot with pastors they're right on they're right on target and they're doing great work and uh, for whatever reason groups in their church are like nah we don't we don't want him or her we want them out so the higher the dysfunction, the more difficult The more difficult life is. Now, life is built upon relationships: a relationship with, uh, with God, a relationship with ourselves, and a relationship with those around us. Now, and all these three are very important. Very important to have a good relationship with ourselves. That's what it means to love yourself. Uh, A relationship with God, and those around us. Now, I. A key area in terms of our personal happiness and our fulfillment and our sense of of wholeness is relationships. You know, relationships have a lot of power in our lives. They can build us up. They can nurture us. They can free us up. They can make us better people, stronger people. Or... (laughs) They also have power to keep us down and hold us back and diminish us and control us and deplete us and cause us a lot of worry and anxiety. So it's really not surprising that Jesus spends time teaching about how God can lead us into new ways of relating because relationships are so powerful in our lives. Uh, a healthy spirituality touches every single area of your life. No stone is left unturned. So if we have areas of our lives where it's like, well, that's really got nothing to do with God, or I can't bring God into this area, or this is separate, it's like, "Mm," that's a red flag. That's a red flag. There's something wrong there. Because really, um, we want to have, We want to integrate well. We want to to be able to have God's influence in every area so that no stone is left unturned. And the less that we compartmentalize, the better. This is spiritual growth now. The, The less we can compartmentalize, the better. Now, one thing that Jesus modeled continually was the importance of right priorities, Because people, by and large, we have a lot of trouble prioritizing. We have trouble, not just in relationship, but our lives in general. We can easily major in the minors and spend time on things and uh, activities that are not life-giving in themselves. They're not life-giving to us. They're not life-giving to those around us. And Jesus, of course, taught... God first. And the understanding is, well, this is why you would always say, you know, put God first. The understanding is, is that if your priorities, if our priorities are correct, everything else will fall into place. So Jesus speaks to areas and teaches in areas. That many of us have trouble prioritizing. So for example, he he teaches on wealth a lot and possessions and money. He, He teaches on the family, the extended family. He speaks about relationships in general because people tend to either give way too much of ourselves to our loved ones or way too little. Now, obviously, there's going to be healthy individuals in the middle with the right balance, right? Of course, there's going to be people like that. But oftentimes, people sort of move to one side or another. So if you give too little, then you have no attachment. And there's no intimacy. And you're not really that involved. You're detached. Living in your own world. It could be your work world or whatever. You're emotionally shut down. Other people give way too much of, their, of themselves. You know, so if you give way too much, then you're smothering, probably controlling, most likely interfering, needy, overly protective, fearful. We probably know people in both categories. It's all too common, Jesus would say, to both. It's all too common, right? Jesus would say, how about letting God influence you? It's not really about living for the family. It's not really about living for the partnership, the cause. It's not about living for the cause or the job. It's not really about prioritizing everything so that we pleased people. How about getting free from all of that and putting God first? You still still have relationships. You still get to love because that's what God's all about. But it's learning how to love in a new way. And that for many of us looks radically, radically different. It's very difficult for people to love well. Very difficult. doesn't necessarily come naturally to people to love well. And uh, this, is where, this is where the potential for trouble arises, because if we're truly open to God's influence in the way we relate, we will change the way we relate. We're not going to be critical and judgmental. We're not going to be unforgiving. We are not going to be self-serving and we're not going to be passive aggressive. We're not going to be selfish and we're not going to manipulate people and we're not going to control people. And we won't be jealous. Why? Because we will be guided by God. Now, of course, all these things may crop up, but they don't need to guide us. Right? They don't have to have power over us. Because we're not going to be doing what comes naturally to us. Really important point in spiritual growth. We're not going to be doing what comes naturally to us. And we are not going to be doing what was modeled by our parents. If our parents didn't model good practices to us we're not going to be modeling our parents or our grandparents we're not going to be doing whatever just keeps the peace which isn't really true peace anyway right it's just avoidance it's just avoidance of doing uh, what we have not been brave enough to say or do all along so being open to God changes you and it's 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 challenging it really is it's it's not easy it's not easy being open to God. We all know people who have spent thousands of Sundays in church, and no matter how you look at it, they're still stuck. And I am going to go out in Olympia and say, I would guess it's not just the Christian church, I would guess it would be many, many other religious groups too that are trying to practice the way of transformation. That people can do all their practices, all their sits, all their whatever the people do, and get stuck. They get stuck in anger. They get uh, stuck correcting the world. They're constantly critical, going around with a chip on their shoulder. Why? Well, you know, transformation takes work. Uh, St. Paul would say it actually takes a death. So if you're, if you're, if you're angered, you, that the anger has to die. Jesus said the same thing. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Meaning the cross, certain parts of us need to be let go of or die to not have the edge to lead us and guide us. So Jesus is saying, sometimes when you do the right thing, you're going to get into trouble. Sometimes when you follow God's way, which is the way of transformation and change, there's going to be division. Two against three, one against two, four against five, whatever. He's just, actually, he's really stating a fact. I mean, he's not predicting it. He's saying, this is what happens. When one person starts to get healthy, the whole thing, um, you know, chaos happens because someone stepped out of the pattern. So when, when you follow God's way, you're certainly not always going to be affirmed. And your nearest and your dearest won't necessarily get it. William Loder, one of my uh, favorite theologians, says, Jesus is not driving a wedge between family and the kingdom of God, but he, he is indicating a conflict of interest. That's a good way of, that's a nice way of putting it. He said, Jesus isn't driving a wedge, but there's, he's indicating at times there is going to be a conflict of interest. One's identity can't be so wrapped up in, in pleasing the family or the husband or the wife or the partner or the group or the kids or the church or the the colleagues that one is left with no sense of real self identity i mean that's just your classic codependent stance isn't it you're so busy trying to fit in with the group or the colleagues or whatever you know whoever you're trying to please It's like, oh, what do you think? Or what should I do? Or is this okay with you? Or you know what's best. People pleasing is a conflict of interest, Jesus is saying. And so is pleasing yourself. See, the challenge is always to spiritually grow up and make up your own mind and step back. What would your strongest self do? What would your best self do and have your own thoughts and listen to God and follow Christ? It's like, oh, yeah, well, won't that cause trouble if I say that or won't that, you know, upset? So, yeah, yes, it may well upset people, but you get freedom. You get freedom. You get to be free. Now, in the passage, Jesus is, of course, speaking to potential students, potential followers. So he's saying, if you want to be my apprentice, if you really want to learn God's way, then you need to put yourself in a position to hear God. Because we can become so controlled or so influenced by people or culture. We can be so suffocated by others and pressured into taking on someone else's values and goals and desires that we, we, we can't think for ourselves anymore. So when Jesus says, I've come to bring division, that's what I do. It's like Jesus is, is saying, I've come to bring division, that's what I do. I give you a choice of a new way of thinking and living. I'm going to give you a choice of a new way now sometimes people will say yes to that new way and sometimes people will say no to that new way and that's when the division happens right see sometimes people are just so far away from our values of which I think basically the the most important value is kindness because really isn't isn't that what it all boils down to? There's four four years worth of seminary for you. What does it all boil down to? Is it kind? Well, if it's not kind, it's not God's way. Now, sometimes people are just so far away from our values of kindness that there really is no possibility of a relationship. Right? So where there's abuse, where there's violence, where there's hatred, where there's no trust, there's... There's going to be a divide. There's going to be a separation. It simply has to be that way. It has to be that way. So the passage is challenging. It's almost like, will it be life as usual? Or are you ready for a change? Are you tired of the old patterns? Are you tired of being pulled this way or that way? Are you open to God? disturbing the peace in your life? It's like, yeah, I think I am. Are you, are you open to God shaking you up a bit? Because you'll find life in the end and you'll find freedom. Ultimately, it, you, you will end up with more freedom than you ever thought possible. That's one angle for this passage. Another one is, here's another way of looking at this passage. This passage can be a great encouragement for those who are suffering persecution. You're presently suffering for doing what is good and right and true. Jesus said, Blessed are the persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom. Now, he's not saying it's okay to be persecuted. He's saying... You know what? You're in trouble because you're doing the right thing. You're in trouble because you're doing the right thing and you need to know that God sees that and God notices and that is courageous living. That's courageous living. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. Help me to keep living with courage. Let me be a truth speaker, even if it gets me in trouble. At least I can live with my head held high and I can walk in freedom. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.